welcome back to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. With me today is Axel Meerhofer. A little bit about Axel. He is a retired Air Force officer. Axel started his first company in 2005, focusing on consulting, employee skill development, and program management. These areas remain in place and have grown internationally. He always has a love for education and helping people help themselves become successful. Axel began thinking about applying profits towards retirement as a business owner and research indicate, indicated that owning tangible assets would be the best way. It's also the path that government supports the most, for those of you that did not know, which led him to develop a residential real estate portfolio worth about 1.5 million. It's still growing and many lessons learned are now available for him to teach, coach and mentor people. On his journey, Axel has made many relationships, learned about the pitfalls of purchases and made good and bad decisions that ultimately reach economic independence. He is also the host of the Ideal Investor Show. He enjoys talking to people and you'll learn why. Today we are going to talk about investing the smart way or smart investments. However you want to flip it, you definitely have to be smart when it comes to investing. Without further ado, welcome Axel Meerhofer. Yeah, hi Genesis. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. My pleasure. So Axel, we know a bio is just a bio and you have an unmeasurable amount of success, but you did not get there overnight and you definitely went through some struggles in life that gave you the success that you see today. So share a little bit more about yourself that we did not learn in the bio. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you said uh, initially that I was with the Air Force and retired uh, around 2001-2 and first went into working with another company for a little bit and then in 2005 started my own business, a consulting company. And for anybody who was around that time, you might remember that the stock market had a huge run-up in the years before and then 2003 it basically collapsed almost overnight. Right. Like I, I think people lost like 80 percent or something like that in some cases. And so for me, when I started my own business, that was only like two or three years ago. And I started thinking, OK, what can I do if I don't want to be in this business and work, work forever to have income? At some point, I want to retire and maybe do other things and so, and so forth. So assuming the business would work well, how can I build something self-sustaining for retirement? And my mindset, and I think we are all a little bit, you know, affected by that, you know, when we see the news, especially when it makes big news and goes on for month and month and month, and the media was basically describing how people got wiped out and stuff. And for me, that was, oh, no way, I, I, that's not what I want to do. But then it begs the question, okay, what do we do then? Right. And so I started looking around. And one thing I have to say that was maybe a little bit of an advantage for me versus maybe other people is as an officer in the military, you get moved around every few years, right? And, not, and sometimes we rented, sometimes we stayed on base, but most of the time we were outside uh, in the normal community. And again, sometimes rented, sometimes bought properties. So kind of the, some of the ins and outs of real estate were kind of familiar just because of being in the military. And so I started looking into that a little more and came to realize, okay, well, it wouldn't work where we live because we've been pretty much since 2001 or so been living in California. 
but it can work if you just do the math it can work if you find the right properties in the right locations with the right partners who are taking care of the properties if it's too far away for me to be there on a regular basis that's how it started and um when it grew from there i became a sponge when it comes to information right all the different aspects i guess Sometimes I say, you know, that's a German gene defect that you want to always understand everything to the nth degree. You know? and, and so that's basically what I did, a lot of research and mainly initially just for myself. And then as deals started to come together, I think it's just normal. I mean, if you and I would have known each other at the time and, you know, at those times you came together after work and hung out and you would say, hey, Axel, what's going on? I would say, hey, Genesis, you know, I'm just right now I'm selecting between these two properties and not quite sure if this is more important or that is more. And you would say, hey, that's interesting. I would assume you would say that. Right. And so um, that's how it basically went. And as I kept telling people about the things that I was doing and adding another property and these were my considerations and here are the partners I found, all that stuff. Um, more and more people said, well, this is really interesting. I never knew that that is possible that, you know, we always, and I'm still saying I'm just a normal person, right? I'm just applying the things that I learned and I'm happy to share, like you said, you know, helping others help themselves become successful has always been basically my motto. And, um, yeah. And then they said, well, why don't you do a website or why don't you do this and that and so forth? And, you know, I guess at some point they nagged enough for me to say, okay, okay, now. <laughs> get going to to put this together you know and here we are now we have idea and and we are on podcast with genesis and and have our own podcast and i don't know like 120 videos on youtube and all that kind of stuff that is amazing because it started with a passion and that passion fueled your purpose those ideas became realities and now you're helping other people live out their dreams and it's so great to hear that you have such a kindred spirit where you have acquired all of this knowledge over time and you don't mind sharing this knowledge to help other people because I love to say united we stand and divided we fall another thing that's beautiful about real estate is that we know real estate is always going to be around because as the world continues to grow, our population gets larger and larger, we're going to need residential real estate, commercial real estate, and etc. And so I know you have an amazing methodology that you like to talk about investing. So for somebody who is eager to investing in real estate, but they don't have the capital, and they're not sure where to get the funds from, is it true that they could start investing with zero with zero to little money down? And making, because I've heard, oh, well, we could just take someone else's money and buy a property, flip it. And then once we get the money back, we'll um, funnel it back over to that individual. I'm not sure if that is a myth or a fact. So would you like to debunk that? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a myth in the context of could it work or not. I think it does work. And there are lots and lots of examples of people who have done this or i should maybe say tried this the myth is in my view not so much that this conceptually could work but it is only smart since we talked about smart investing it is only a smart approach if you are willing to say i'm changing what is my current profession and i'm always hoping that people when they talk about their profession that is also somehow part of their passion 
of what they're doing right now. When somebody says, I, for whatever reason, don't want to do this anymore and I want to phase out of it and I want to go into contracting for real estate. Because if you really think about what does it really mean to flip a property? It means you have to find what I call the ugly duckling in a good neighborhood. And then you have two options. If you want to make the deal work well for you financially in the end, let's say you find a property that you get for $40,000 uh, somewhere in the Midwest because it's been neglected. That's the reason why you get it cheap. And neglected means it needs pretty much all kinds of repairs. Now, if you go and say, Mr. and Mrs. Contractor, come on in and fix everything up so that it looks like brand new, well, it's not going to be much different than if you buy basically a new house. But then it's also going to, besides your purchase cost, the renovation will be so expensive that when you finally put it on the market, you won't make a lot of money. right? So how does it become potentially a good deal is when you do as much as humanly possible yourself. And the reason for that is that you typically in that scenario don't have to account for your own time as value, right? If you say, I go there at night, I go there on the weekends every free hour and I'm ripping away the walls myself, I'm ripping out the floors myself and only the few things where you absolutely feel that, you know, it would be too dangerous, anything that has to do with like gas or maybe plumbing or electricity and stuff. You might say, I run the lines myself but then when it comes to connecting everything, I bring in a professional for a few hours and only pay those few hours. The issue is, as you can see, to make it work, you need to dedicate yourself pretty much full time, especially at the beginning, because anything we do for the first time or even the second and third time, we're not going to be as fast as a professional. We're not going to be as good as a professional. We don't have the experience. You know what it starts sounding like? It's basically another job. And it's a more complex job than probably what you're doing right now, because there are so many different things that go into a house. You know, you need to be a plumber, an electrician, a floor layer, a, layer, a tile setter, a, a drywall expert, a framing expert, a window expert, a door expert, a flooring expert. And I can go on and on and on. There is an enormous list of expertise for all the different things that go into really finishing a house. So ultimately, long story short, is not so much can it work if you do all of this, but I don't think it's realistic to assume that you can say, I find myself the ugly duckling and over the weekends and at night, I'm going to fix it because then it's going to take so long and so many things will linger and stuff like that, that you have basically one property under construction for a year. Now, that is also something that I realized and said, okay, well, number one, I like my job. I, I'm not interested in becoming a contractor, right? So that's number one. The other thing is when you look at where do you live and how far away is that from perform, well-performing properties? In my case, that was at least a thousand miles and probably more like 1500. Well, you can't go on the weekend and in the afternoon, a 1500 miles away place. So that was what begged the, the question, how can this be done so that I can invest, generate passive income, without really having to be there, neither for the renovation, nor for the finding of the property, not for the, nor for the finding of the tenant, nor for the collecting of the money, nor for any repairs when a faucet starts dripping. And that's where this whole concept of turnkey comes in. That's what the differentiation is and why I'm always saying the most important thing before even looking at the location you want to invest in 
is can I find a trustworthy high quality turnkey provider who does all of that for me at a fair price? So question there, Axel, for those who are not aware of a turnkey provider, please elaborate what they what that person is and their roles and responsibilities. That way we could bridge the gap there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, there are a couple of different variations on which kind of companies and providers call themselves turnkey providers. But for me, there's really only one that I would work with or have ever worked with in, in even though I'm aware of, of other kinds. For me, a turnkey provider is somebody who finds that proverbial ugly duckling that we talked about earlier, who knows the neighborhood well enough to know how much renovation and what level of quality makes sense so that when we're done with it and we put a price on it, that this property now will appraise for that price or slightly under. And just as a little side note here, why is that so important? Because when they find it for 40,000, then they want to sell it to you for 125,000. If it only appraises for 110, guess who would have to come up with the difference with these other $15,000? We do, the consumer. Yeah, we have to because the bank would say, we're never going to give you more money than what the appraiser says it's worth, right? So the turnkey provider needs to know to what quality standard do we renovate and there are differences right you can put a nice quartz countertop in for maybe two thousand dollars or a granite countertop for five thousand dollars well if you have that three thousand dollars just on a kitchen countertop and you keep adding here a little there a little there a little you might add end up with a super nice very high quality property that is no longer the ugly duckling it's basically the tiffany jewel in the neighborhood but you don't get the money for it and the reason why you don't get the money for it is because the system for residential real estate, and we experience this anytime we look for a property for ourselves, is the value is calculated based on the comparative value of all the upper, other properties that are similar in the neighborhood. So question so if, that uh, question there, Axel. So you're talking about the comp, the comp um, appraisals that the um, right. like the district does, right? Well, or you normally your lender would hire an independent appraisal company to come out. And what they do is they first go through your property and look at everything. Right. And then they say, okay, a similar, let's say three bedroom, two bath house, 1400 square foot with a nice lot and a two car garage. How many others of similar size and similar area and similar neighborhood have sold in the last six months, let's say within a mile radius. If, so the, and they find out the average sales price for all these other properties is let's say 110 to 130 thousand dollars. Then they look okay for the more higher price ones. What do they have that made them more valuable? So for example, new floors, new electric, new windows, new doors, all all kinds of new stuff that gives you a little bit of a bonus. And if you say okay, well we didn't change the garage door and it's 15 years old, or we didn't put a new roof on and it's 10 years old, that doesn't mean it's bad. It's, it's halfway through its lifetime. A roof typically is 20 to 25 years, but they would deduct a little for that versus a new one, right? So then you end up basically with a comparative price and that's always true for residential real estate. So if you make it the Tiffany jewel of the neighborhood, there's only so much credit you're going to get for your golden faucets and golden toilets and, and, and granite countertops. And the end result is they might say, okay, well, the most expensive one was 130 and that is already giving a little credit if your turnkey provider wants 150 then you screw 
But the real coming back to the point, because these turnkey providers normally have anywhere between five, 10, sometimes even 15 properties in different stages of renovation, and they're covering an area of maybe 30 to 50 miles circle. They know their neighborhoods, they know the prices, they know just as well as the appraisers what has sold in the last six to 12 months and so forth. So they know it makes no sense to over renovate or over, you know, put all the fancy stuff in and then ultimately doesn't appraise because guess what happens? Your investor who is being told, here is the price, will always say, or at least try, that you only pay to the price that the appraiser comes back with. And they know that, you know that, your lender knows that. If everybody knows it, it only makes sense to only get it to that level. And that is typically a really nice, good level. And everything is pretty much new. It's like moving into a new house. So just to come back to that. So they find it, they renovate it to a reasonable price. And here comes the really important part. They also need to be the ones who later manage and that's, oh, wow. the, that's the big differentiator because there are many, many turnkey providers who say, oh, I do everything for you and then you have it. And then we can even tell you about some good property management companies in the area. Why is that not the full deal? Why should they be the ones who manage it? And the reason is when we go back to smart investing is human nature. If a friend of yours, Genesis, comes to you and says, hey, Genesis, you have this amazing ability to do something. I have here a device that needs your treatment. And I would like you to commit right away that when you take this on and start working on it, that if it ever breaks, I can come back to you and you will fix it. It is something different psychologically than you doing something for someone and then you sell it to them and you never see it again in your lifetime. That's a very valid point, Axel. And whenever I think about it, you explain it that way. It makes me think about quality assurance, quality control. You're already building a relationship with that individual slash provider. So once you build that relationship, there's already some items in place that makes you trust that individual versus you going out to another partner and trusting them because you have to learn how they work. What ways are they going to help you? Are they trustworthy and all of those things? So thank you for explaining it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, keep in mind, if, if we put ourselves in that position uh, and we know later on we might have to fix it, right? There's always the choice. If you go into a Home Depot or a Lowe's store or so forth and you see you can get like a, a toilet bowl anywhere between $80 and $300. And they look the same. The point is there is a temptation if you don't have to manage it afterwards to say, well, the less we need to pay for the stuff we put in the place, even though it's new, the more margin we make on that sales price. And that gets balanced with, yeah, that would be good. But then when we have to fix it later on, and Axel will say, I want a one-year warranty on everything that you ever touched in this property, then what you made cheap in the renovation, you're going to have to pay double when you have to fix it six months in or eight months in. And because, again, they know this, and you and I, anybody would do the same thing. If you do something for someone else, and it's not just a straight sale, it's something that will need maintenance for the next 20 years, well, then you want to find a good balance between how much price value do you put in and how long is it probably going to last before you have to ever touch it again. And that's why I'm saying even before you choose where you want to invest, it's really, really, really important. And that's why I'm always saying 
I'm the living example and I'm only recommending and referring any of my clients to the same people I work with because they all meet those criteria. But that's then basically the deal. So, you know, they find it, they sell it, they renovate it, they sell it to you, it appraises. So you're not afraid of that because they know their deal. So it appraises right around the price that they're asking for. You purchase it, you get your mortgage on it. And then literally right away after that document is signed, they go out and market it for, for a tenant. They find the tenant, put the tenant in and manage the tenant for you. And all you do, this is why it's called passive income. At the end of the month, you actually collect the difference between all the expenses and the rent, which on a simple property like a hundred ten, hundred twenty, hundred thirty thousand dollars is anywhere between two and three hundred dollars a month. Thank you for explaining that, um, Axel. And then you take the same principle and you multiply it over various different properties and et cetera. And that's how you recoup all the different passive incomes. And then now you're also diversifying your wealth by having various streams of income. Now let's talk about the different types of real estate because it's not just residential, it's not just commercial. And I know you are a guru, but you specifically focus on residential, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and the main reason when you wrote, uh, read the bio, uh, I said in the bio or, or Nadine, when she sent it to you, my executive assistant, it's also the area that the government supports the most. And so just to define it real quick, residential real estate is defined as a single family home, duplex, triplex, or fourplex. Anything that has more than basically four entry doors is considered a commercial real estate. Interesting. Wait, can we dial back there? So you said anything that has more than four doors is commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. So whenever you think four doors, like entry points, because if you think about a house, there's a front door. Um, (laughs) No, no, I mean, four entry doors where you could say, okay, if fourplex, right? If you had a fourplex, that would mean four different tenants and their families live in that one building and it has four entry doors with a key and, and stuff like that. Right? But if you compare it, commercial would be to say there is a 10 unit, 20 unit, 100, 200 unit apartment complex. That would be considered commercial residential real estate. And what's interesting about that, or without going too far in it, and I'm not claiming to be the expert, but when you look at, we just talked about how do we determine the value of the property? And the answer is because it is appraised by an expert and the expert does that comparative analysis and comes up with the price. As soon as you switch to five doors, 10 doors, 100 doors, 200 doors, apartment complex, that's out the door. It doesn't matter at all. The only thing that matters is how much do you collect in rent? How much does that add up per year? And what is the multiple that is reasonable for the area? So if you just take an easy calculation and you say, okay, I have a hundred unit apartment complex and each unit is a thousand dollars rent. I know that sounds a little weird, right? So that's a hundred thousand dollars a month, $1.2 million a year. And then you say the the multiplier is let's say 10 again for just easy calculation. So the price for this thing is $12 million. Or if the multiplier is five, then it's $5 million or $6 million. That's And the only way how you can actually make it worth more is by saying every time a tenant moves out, we're going to renovate and upgrade that unit so we can collect more rent. So if you can bring the rent from $1,000 to $1,500 and you do this through all 100 units, well, now you make $150,000 a year 
And what is that? 1.75 million, uh, 1.75 million a year, 150,000 a month. And even if you take the same multiplier, that same complex has nothing has changed other than each unit is renovated is now worth 8 million. So then realistically speaking, like let's think how many apartment complexes are really doing that? I don't think they're really going in, but if they take your principal and they make some small renovations after a tenant um, leaves and you're saying it can increase the amount of passive income they take home, but if they don't make any renovations then they stay at where they're at and they're just more more so worrying about okay we get a tenant in um, a tenant leaves and so forth just so um, swapping in and out pretty much yeah exactly but the other problem with that is if you really ask yourself and this is for me the main reason i mean there are many regulatory reasons there's the tax code the government support all of that but even if you take that away one of the fundamental things that I always point out, and we're coming back to smart investing, is if something goes wrong, who would I potentially have to deal with? If you take your 100-unit apartment complex just for the sake of argument, the only, literally the only people you can ever expect to deal with are other investors with deep pockets. Because you're talking five, six, eight, ten million dollars. It's not that people run around with that kind of money or have access to that kind of money easily. Now go back to my individual, like single family, duplex, triplex, fourplex. Even if you say a fourplex that is three hundred fifty thousand dollars, there is still, if you have ever heard about, for example, the Burr method, where somebody says, "I move into one unit and I rent the other three. I'm basically living for free." And if you say even that is too risky for me, then you go to the single family, which I'm actually preferring, because guess what, who I'm dealing with, I'm dealing at any time in the future, with any other investor who says this property works well and is suitable for passive income. And they know that because as long as I had it, it would have done that. But and here is the kicker, the really, really important kicker. If all of that fails, then I still have any other person who just wants to buy a house. And they can then become my customer or my buyer. So question there, Axel. So for like, let's take, for example, one of your properties that you have now, if that person purchases your property and well, no, let's dial it back. If that person rents your property, if you rent any properties, and then they decide to purchase your property because they got comfortable living there, then how does that exactly work? And how can you showcase smart investing there from um, renting to buying? Um, well, there are basically two ways. One is if we live in a time like we have been living through the last few years where the values of properties in general have been going up something like 10 or some places even more than 10% per year, you have to always keep in mind that this gain in value is kind of locked within the property, right? So let's say I, I can give you a concrete example. I bought a property for $80,000 uh, in 2019. That same property is currently about 110. 
if a tenant that is living in there says, you know, I really like the property and I got a promotion in my job and I would like to buy it and I offer you the 110 that I know it would appraise for because they would have to get financing just like I did when we first started. So I get those $30,000 plus however much we have paid down in the last three years. Let's say that's another $5,000. So I get $35,000 out of that property plus whatever my down payment was. And with that, I can, and it's 110, so that's market rate. So I can go and find literally the next door property and pay 110 and get that and allow that tenant to have their own home, which would be awesome, right? If you think about it. Now, the other option is to say, I want to do this from the get-go. This is a little bit more unconventional option where you say, okay, Mr. or Mrs. Tenant, I give you the opportunity to become the owner of this house. And the way we're doing it, it's called rent to own or lease to own. And the way we're doing it is to say, okay, all the monthly payments that you make after I can cover my expenses are basically being counted as you paying off on the house. And then at any point in the future, when you say, okay, now I would like to become the owner, we just look at what the market rate is and pay the difference. And, you know, so you basically each month pay a little bit off. Most of the time that doesn't work so well, even though it sounds nicer than the first option, because to make this work, I would have to make an assumption of how can I still maximize the deal for me? So my assumption on how much the value of the property is going to increase is probably always a little more unrealistic than, than the real world. So let's say it went from 80 to 110. But when we signed that lease agreement, I would say, well, I give you five years and then I think it should be worth 130. Right Now, will it be? Maybe, but it might not be. And so then the payment is locked in and the price is locked in from day one. Right. And that's why relatively few people do it. Um, but if the, if the tenant is saying, I'm willing to buy it, I really like it, I live here for a year, two, three now, and I would like to keep it, is there a way that you can sell it to me for a fair market rate that I would have to pay in the neighborhood anyway? I would do that not so much because of the money that I would make or stuff like that, but I want a good relationship and a good reputation with my tenants. And at market rate, I can just turn around, go to my turnkey provider and say, get me another one. And they will, they will be happy to do that. It makes it a lot uh, simpler whenever you mentioned that turnkey provider, because they're going out there and they're bringing you the information versus you going out there and procuring all the stuff on your own. So when we think about investing um, smart, smart, smarter and just being effective with what we are putting our money in, in the state of real estate, what are some other ways that someone could invest smart? Yeah, I mean, you asked me at the beginning, and I kind of owe you still a really full answer on, you know, what do you do if you don't have the necessary amount of money to immediately buy a whole house right away, right? Like, I mean, if we take a realistic example of, a let's say, a $150,000 property, you would have to have $30,000 or slightly more than $30,000 to buy it, right? That's 20% down, 80% financed by the bank which you would get, no problem, right? I'm not saying that it's complicated, but not everybody has $30,000 laying around. Um, so how do you get there? What can you do? The, it used to be that I always said it starts at about $1,000 because there are platforms called, one of them is, for example, uh, peer-to-peer, -peer, 
they basically allow you to just take a thousand dollars and invest in real estate and participate in bundling the money together and making way way more in return than you would ever make in any bank or cd or any kind of other approach and you're investing in a real asset now there's actually something new called lofty ai I don't know why they call it lofty because it has nothing to do with lofty or lofts as, as we know lofts, right? But they call it lofty AI. And what that allows is actually to participate in a very modern way. You have probably heard about uh, cryptocurrencies, right? Yes, correct. Um, cryptocurrencies and all the Bitcoins and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. So this lofty AI is basically piggybacking on the idea of what's called a token. And so what they do is they take like a $120,000 property and they say, okay, if we divide that, or let's say $150,000, it's easier to calculate that. If we divide that by 50, right, then you would have 3,000, right? 3,000 times 50 is 150,000. So you have 3,000 tokens and each token is worth $50, and so now you and I can say, hey, Genesis, how many tokens are you going to buy? And you say, well, this month I have $200, I buy four. And so you, you now have four tokens on this property that I would buy as a nice property all at once with my 30,000 in financing, you would have four tokens. And next month you have $100 and you buy two tokens. Now it's not necessarily always the same, comp uh, the same property. But the idea is at, you're holding the property, the property is fully renovated, the property is collecting rent and so forth. So you're basically having a tiny little bit, I always say, you know, you, you own the door handle or you own the brick in the, in the corner wall or, you know, the stair, the first step on the staircase or something like that. Right? But the point is, why are we talking about smart investing and then using residential real estate is because the rates that you're participating in when you convert it to how much does my money actually make is in most cases around 20% or more, right? And so yes, $200 is not a huge investment and $300 is not a huge investment, but you've in a way benefit and, 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 and accumulate in the same way as if you had not just bought two or three or four or 10 tokens, as if you had bought literally the whole house. And so I'm seeing this kind of like a little bit, and I think last time you and I spoke, um, we talked a little bit like a staircase, right? If you have this image of a staircase and now the first tiniest step you can take is literally $50. You could theoretically buy one talk token for 50 bucks. Right? And then multiples of that and so forth. It almost sounds like crowdfunding for real estate where everyone is putting uh, their money in a pool and you're buying something together. And whenever they hold and eventually sell that property, everyone kind of just splits, splits up the right. cost. Yeah, that's, I mean, you could almost say this house that is behind those tokens, those 3000 tokens that is broken into for, for the initial price um, is kind of like a, um, a community of owners. Right, like you were you were describing it. Now, the 
benefit is not quite as good. And I think that's understandable because, you know, potentially theoretically, it could mean that you have 3000 people who each have one token. Now, that's not really what happens, but that's theoretically possible. And just imagine the amount of, of management, you know, everybody wants to know what happened to their token month to month to month and so forth. Now, that's also why I believe they call it lofty AI because with artificial intelligence, you can automate a lot of those kind of things. So it's not really people sitting there and, and dividing up 3000 individual pieces and stuff. But still, it's a different thing than owning outright, owning one property and the turnkey provider is collecting the rent and, and sending you the money once a month. You know, it's a bit way more. That also on the flip side means you make not making as much benefit or profit or whatever you want to use as a term as you would if you were to own the whole house. But what's interesting, what's new, is that it's literally the same kind of house that I would buy, just broken into 3000 pieces. And that never used to happen. It only used to exist on like huge apartment complexes or high rise buildings or stuff like that, or hotels and, and the little guy or girl couldn't get in. And now you can literally start your very first step in $50 increments. So another thing too, Axel, as we begin to wind down, and I want to be respectful of our time commitment today, what would the, your top um, keys be for someone who needs to invest a smart way? Because we have to be realistic. You cannot rely on a sole employer anymore because times are changing. You need to be able to diversify your portfolio, diversify your wealth, and have multiple streams of income. So what would your top five um, tips be? Yeah, so the number one, uh, or not, in, not as the highest rated, but one of the most important things initially is to really become very aware of your financial situation. So really look at what comes in, what goes out. And I always recommend for people who have not really thought much about it or haven't really developed good habits, I always say, remember the richest man in Babylon and you can google that that's also a book that you can buy and how did this guy become the richest man in Babylon is that he put 10% of every penny that came in right when it came in into what what I call an accumulation account you can call it a savings account or piggy bank whatever you want to call it 10% anything any money from anywhere that comes in goes into that and not at the end of the month right when it comes in that's step number one together with becoming aware how much is coming in and where is it going. Then number, step number two is to say, what is my goal? Where do I actually want to end up? Well, what is my vision? You can exchange the word, but that's where my philosophy of the time freedom point comes in. Where I say, okay, if you not only want to generate multiple streams of income, but you want to actually generate freedom, then what is the one thing that you cannot make more of or get back or anything like that is time. So the core thing is you want to reach a point on the calendar sometime in the future where you have the freedom to determine what do I do with my time. And the only way that can happen is when you have enough income to cover everything that you have in expenses. That's why step one, first find out how much comes in, how much do I need? does it cover and it should cover and leave 10% left over for your richest men in Babylon account, then you can say, okay, so now I know right now, if it were right now, I need 3000 4000 $5,000 a month. And if I 
project that out for like the next five, eight, 10 years, then maybe it's a little more than that. It's if it's four now, then it might be five then. So that's then your time freedom point number. I need to find a way where without me having to go to work and exchange time for money, I can get three, four, five thousand dollars in a month. And then it becomes a simple calculation to say, okay, so how much is one of those properties going to pay me? Now I always say the starting point should be $250. Now you don't really need 20 to get to $5,000 because that would mean, mean you would never increase the rent, right? which doesn't happen in eight to 10 years. Nobody ever lives in a place and never gets more rent. But fundamentally that makes it a concept to say, okay, so step three, how many passive income sources of what level are the, how much they pay do I really need? So I know what, where the money is coming from and going. Number two is what's the number that I want to actually accomplish. So I have the freedom to do with my time what I want. Number three is how many different sources of income, passive income, like from a house um, or duplex, triplex, so forth, do I need? And then step number four is analyze how your behavior has been in the past and where you need to improve your discipline. Right. If you find that you have not been that disciplined, that you have not put the 10% aside, that you have not looked for opportunities to generate even more income that you can put into this, then improve your discipline. And then the last step, number five, is take an active step, take action. And I'm so glad that today you challenged me to say, well, how can I take action? Well, you can get one token for 50 bucks on the first property. And if you have a little more, get two or three tokens. And if it is $1,000, then get part of a peer-to-peer -peer deal or any of these other platforms out there. And these things become like mini sources of income that all start working for you. And that's basically the fifth step is really you want to really live and, and be conscious that you are the boss of your money. You let your money work for you. Don't con constantly think about how can I work harder to make more money? Let the money work for you. And the more sources of income from little tokens to peer to peer to ultimately your first property and then multiple properties. And sooner or later, you will be surprised. Time flies and boom, you have your properties, you have your passive income, you reach your time freedom point, And then you can say, I was the creator of my future. Those are amazing tips, Axel, and I'm glad that you allowed me to challenge you because, you know, the whole mission behind GEMS is to educate, inspire, and motivate, and you don't know what you don't know. So thank you for sharing those five those five tips, and I'm going to ask you um, at whenever we get off for you to send me those links so I can include them in the show notes because I feel like real estate is something that's constantly growing and I really wanted you to unpack and unfold your wealth of knowledge so we could bring that to the forefront because so many people want to tap into real estate but they don't know where to start and there's so much information out on the market that it's convoluted and people are pulling their hair out and some advice is not always good advice. So people have to be willing to research and do their due diligence. But you're definitely a man that is on a mission. Um, your level of success speaks for itself. 1.5 million worth of property revenue and et cetera is incredible. And I learned something new today. So um, it was just such a pleasure to sit down and chat with you. And I want to give you the ability to tell the listeners and the viewers once again, who you are, how they could connect with you on social media and leave one to two gems, whether it's uh, a mantra, <laughs> a quote or whatever. 
Okay, yeah, so as you said multiple times, my name is Axel and you can reach me at axel at idearightsgrower.com. You can come to our website and get a free mindset manual, a um, free call that you can send up. You can find our podcast and many others on the website and so forth. Or if you're a video person, you can go to YouTube and just uh, search Idea Wealth Grower on YouTube and you find all our videos. And the last little gem I would like to leave for your audience, Genesis, is you mentioned that there are many, many people offering things and talking about things and sounding interesting on social media, TV, and all over the place when it comes to real estate. And my advice, big picture, is anytime you feel Hmm, that sounds interesting. Maybe I should check it out. And you connect with someone. Your first and most important question should always be, how many of those deals that you actually claim or suggest for me to do, have you done yourself and show me where they are? And you will find that very, very many, many people immediately turn around and run away. Wow, you just gave us a million dollar tip. And I tell people the proof is in the pudding. And since I come from a trade regulations and compliance background in oil and gas, I tell people a pair of lips could say anything, but I need you to walk it like you talk it. And if I don't see your actions speaking louder than your words, then you're definitely not a person that I will personally partner with and do business with. Because I've learned from experiences before where I have been burned. And so it's like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you for you three times someone said it's the peace sign it's like a lyric I heard in the uh, song so you definitely have to be wise and uh, my dad always told me the scripture be wise as a serpent but harmless as a dove and now that he has passed that has stuck with me because it is so true <laughs> so thank you yeah. so much Axel for being here on gems and just sharing your wealth of information to the listeners and viewers I hope you have an amazing day I hope Hope you were fed with lots of um, knowledge from Axel. And remember, reading is fundamental. If you're not learning, then you're not growing. And knowledge is power. You are a masterpiece. And stop limiting yourself and selling yourself short because you are too afraid to step outside of your comfort zone and take that leap of faith. Until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Bye, everyone. Bye.